Well, this morning we were planning on continuing to walk through our sermon series, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 27 through 30. But uh, we had a, an impromptu meeting this morning before the gathering to kind of talk through what we were going to do this morning, how we were going to respond this morning, and um, we, we thought it best um, to, to kind of do a, have a change of plans, and uh, we'll pe- pick back up in our series and uh, in, in kind of walking through the Sermon on the Mount um, next week as we walk through Matthew 5, 27 through 30 then. This morning, we're still going to look at the Sermon on the Mount very briefly. Um, I actually don't have anything prepared, uh, but we're just going to look at Matthew 5, 4. Matthew 5, 4. And we looked at Matthew 5, 4 uh, several weeks ago as we were walking through the Beatitudes, but it seemed appropriate to look at this text again and to be reminded of the words of Jesus here again, because here's the reality. I, I don't know what to say. Um, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to say, but I, we, we do have the words of Jesus here, and what he says is relevant to us right now as we mourn and grieve over this horrendous tragedy that took place in our city, in our neighborhood. And so we want to hear the words of Jesus and be comforted by the words of Jesus here this morning in Matthew 5, 4. Listen to what Jesus said to you what he says to you. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And pray with me. Father, would you open your word to us through my mouth? And would you open our hearts to receive your word and to be comforted by your word, comforted by your promises, comforted by the truth of your word and the truth of your gospel and the truth concerning the gospel of your son? And as we're comforted, would you help us also in turn to be mourning comforters, to be wounded healers in our places of employment this week, in our neighborhoods this week, in our schools this week, and in all the various places you place us this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What does it mean to mourn? What does it mean to mourn? Um, Many of you experienced this this morning when you woke up and saw the news. It's that, that just pit in your stomach. It's that heaviness upon your heart. It's, it's the tears that were streaming down your face as you were reading the articles this morning, it is the, the wailing and the, 
the screams and the cries of the families who learned that they're never going to hug their sons or daughters or their moms or dads or their brothers and sisters again this morning. That's what mourning is. And it is an appropriate response, especially for those of us who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. For those of us who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, for those of us who are Christians, who are disciples of Jesus, we know that this world is not as it should be. We know that what took place this morning is not right. This is not the way this world should be. We look at Genesis 1 and 2 and we have this, what we call an Edenic ache. We ache and long for that. We look at Revelation 21 and 22 and we see the entirety of the cosmos turning into the Garden of Eden, a place of peace and abundance and love. And we ache for that. You're citizens of the kingdom of God. And so it is an appropriate response to look at what we just saw this morning and to grieve over it, to mourn over it, to be broken over it, to weep over it. It is appropriate. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you didn't know that the Christian faith actually allows for Maybe you were taught when you were younger that to mourn, to weep, to grieve showed a lack of faith, a lack of trust, a lack of hope. Maybe you were taught to suppress those emotions and to slap on a happy face because that's what Christians do. But I mean, we, we, we looked at Psalm 13. We sang Psalm 13. The Lord invites us to bring our tears to him. He invites us to ask questions like, how long, O Lord? Why did this happen? Why is this happening? And so as Christians, we don't, we don't suppress our tears and our mourning and our grieving. Neither are we controlled by our tears and mourning or grieving. But we humbly bring our tears and our mourning and our grieving and our bereavement to our Father in heaven who sees us and loves us and knows us. We can do that. We're invited to do that. The Psalms are the word of God that he puts in our mouths to pray back to him. So take it, Psalm 13, take it as an invitation to cry out, how long, oh God, why does this happen? And of course, it's very natural questions. Those questions come up much in times like these, and, and theologians and philosophers have spilled so much ink trying to, to answer questions of why. Why do things like this happen? If God is God and he's good, if he's sovereign and he's good, why do things like this happen? And I'm not going to answer that question for us this morning. I don't even think that would be appropriate to address right now. And honestly, at the end of the day, we don't know exactly why. We don't receive answers to that in the scriptures. But here's what we do know. We know that whatever the reason is, it's not because God doesn't love us and it's not because he doesn't care. And we know that because of the one whom he has sent. We know that because of the one who utters this beatitude to us this morning, Jesus. We know that he loves us because of what he's done for us in and through his Son. 
He offers us comfort in his son. His son is the comfort that Jesus speaks of. Jesus is the comfort that he speaks of here. How can, how can Jesus say that those who are mourning are blessed? This doesn't feel blessed. This doesn't feel happy. This doesn't, this doesn't feel good, right? But yet he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the, the, the comfort that we receive is the one who utters this beatitude. How are we comforted by Jesus? I would say three things. First, we're comforted because he came. We're comforted because he came. So think about this. God in heaven, Jesus, our God, is not aloof or unsympathetic or distant from your suffering, from our suffering, from humanity's suffering. Like he stepped in. Christianity says that we have a God who stepped into and personally experienced the suffering of humanity. Jesus, John 8, wept outside of the grave of his friend Lazarus and was in utter turmoil over the brokenness of his creation. He was broken over it. He wept. This is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He wept. He stepped in and he experienced the brokenness of humanity. And that's not all. He didn't just step in and witness and grieve over the suffering of humanity, but he suffered himself. He experienced the, the pain of flogging He experienced the the pain of his beard being ripped out of his face and his back being whipped and a crown of thorns being pressed into his skull. He experienced the pain of nails through his hands and feet. And not only did he experience the suffering and pain of torture and crucifixion, but he died. He experienced death. He tasted death. And Isaiah 52, 53 will tell us that in so doing, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He stepped in and he experienced the pain and suffering and grief of humanity because he became one of us. And so Hebrews 4 will tell us that in heaven right now, we have a great high priest who sympathizes with us. He sympathizes with us. With us. He's, he's not distant and aloof. He is moved. He is moved within his soul over the suffering and grief that our city is experiencing right now. And so we're comforted because he came. We have a God who weeps with us. We not only are comforted because he came, but we're comforted because he's near. We're comforted because he's near. I read this earlier in Psalm 34, 8. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He is near to us in moments of grief and sorrow and mourning and lament. It's not distant and aloof. He's not cold. He doesn't know. It's, it's not that he doesn't know what we're feeling. He knows precisely what, we've, what we're feeling, and therefore he draws near to us. He's close 
to us in those moments. He is our refuge in those moments. He is our comfort. His presence is our comfort in those moments as we commune with him and bring to him our tears and mourning and grief and lamenting. He is near to us. We're comforted because he came. We're comforted because he's near. Not only that, we're, we're, we're not only comforted because he came and comforted because he's near. But notice the the sort of future-oriented form of this statement, for they shall be comforted. We're comforted because he's coming again. We're comforted because he's coming again. Things will not always be as they are. Violence, hatred, murder, mass shootings, things will not always be like this. We have assurance of that because Christ has risen from the dead and ushered in his new creation. And he promised before he ascended back to heaven to be there as our great high priest so that he could be with us in spirit no matter where we are or what we're doing. He said, surely I am coming again soon. And when he comes again, he is going to judge the living and the dead and wipe away every tear and wipe away all the sin and sadness of this world so that things will not be like this always. When that day comes, Kevin DeYoung says in in the children's story Bible, the biggest story says it will be nothing but the best day, day after day after day after day after day. We will not experience this any longer. He's coming again. Revelation 21, 1 through 3 tells us to wipe away every tear from our cheeks and to put an end to this madness. And so it's, 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 whatever reason this happens, it's not because he doesn't love us. It's not because he doesn't care, because our comforter has come. Our comforter has, has come, and he's experienced the suffering and pain and tears and grief that we experience as humanity. And therefore, he is not unsympathetic. He is sympathetic towards us, and he's, he, he's moved within his soul with us. He weeps with us. He's our comforter because he's near to us in these moments. He draws near to us in his presence. It's hard to explain. I can't really explain it, but it's in moments like this that we sense the presence of God more strongly and in more tangible ways, and I can't really explain it, but it's just the truth. He is near to the brokenhearted. And things are not always going to be this way. He's coming again wipe away all our tears, and to wipe away all the sin and madness of this world. And to grant us life on this earth for all of eternity as it should be. The Garden of Eden is going to cover this entire cosmos. And we're going to experience unhindered fellowship with God because we're reconciled to him. And we're going to experience uninhibited peace with one another for all of eternity. That's what's coming. And so the mourning 
are comforted, Jesus says. Because he has come, because he is near, and because he's coming again. Let's take a moment and pray. And we'll have a few moments of silent reflection before coming to the Lord's table. Jesus, you are our great high priest. And you're weeping with us this morning. You're not aloof or cold or unsympathetic. But you weep with us and you're drawing near to us. And we pray that you would give us a, a tangible sense of your presence and comfort this morning. And would you comfort our hearts by reminding us as well that we have a great hope in your return when you come to wipe away all of our tears, to judge the living and the dead, and to make this earth what you always intended it would be. And we'll have nothing but the best day, day after day after day after day. And so we say, with the Spirit and the Bride in Revelation 22, 20, come Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.